Hey, Baywa RE podcast listeners. I'm David Dunlap, VP of Product Strategy for Baywa RE. Welcome to our special promotional episode featuring our valued QSales partners. First off today, we're going to be talking to David Chang, who's the Director of Residential Sales for QSales. He's going to give us an overview of QSales globally and the work they're doing here in the United States. Then we'll transition to our second conversation with Tim Richmond, Senior Business Development Manager with Chariot Energy. He's going to be sharing their positioning in the Texas market and how they're navigating deregulated utilities. So let's get into it with our first guest, David Chang. David, welcome. Great to see you. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start off. Uh, QCells is one of the leading manufacturers within the U.S. solar space. Could you share with our listeners the strategy and vision behind QCells and maybe just a brief backstory on the organization? Sure, of course. Um, so QCells is a subsidiary of, of Harwell Solutions, which is our parent company, and is a, is a, is a part of, of the global kind of Hanwha group. It is the sixth largest conglomerate in, in South Korea. So we're, uh, you know, well-backed. QCells is uh, committed to building a comprehensive solar supply chain in the U.S. And kind of the announcements that we made in the U.S. will be the largest um, um, investment in, in, in the U.S. for solar ever. So that, that's, uh, that announcement was a $2.5 billion kind of announcement that we made um, back in uh, early uh, this year. That's right. So, so just to sort of clarify, um, you've got the backing of the sixth largest uh, conglomerate in South Korea. So the parent company is is South Korean, but you QCells has really invested and positioned really the business of QCells in North America, specifically in the U.S., built to service the U.S. market. Is that accurate? That's that's absolutely accurate. You know, I think the U.S. is definitely the most important market for us. Uh, we do obviously, you know, kind of operate in in other regions around the world, but the U.S. is definitely um, the most important market for us. That's great. And as we continue the conversation, I think keeping in mind that we're really talking about that focused commitment to the U.S. Um, business, the U.S. supply chain, all of the initiatives that the federal government is pushing around U.S.-based manufacturing. And and that's that's really the commitment that QCells has made. And that's not recent, right? This has been in the works for, for a very long time. It's been in the works for years, for sure, yeah. David. And, and, and there's multiple reasons why uh, we decided to kind of focus on the U.S. and invest in the U.S., right? Um, number one is definitely the, the IRA um, and the 45X uh, production tax credit is obviously helps with kind of uh, leveling out the cost difference between kind of manufacturing the U.S. versus uh, overseas. Um, and secondly, you know, we just feel that uh, the geopolitical issues that we're facing right now is is just not going to go away anytime soon. And uh, and I think thirdly, you know, I think we definitely we really care about kind of building a uh, not just a, a complete supply chain, but a sustainable, clean supply chain. And that's I think that's really important for us. That's great. And I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned the IRA Section 45X. That's the federal investment in the manufacturing side, right? So you're talking about helping with the, the federal subsidy to kind of levelize U.S.-based manufacturing to meet similar manufacturing costs from overseas, which is the whole challenge here in the U.S. Is that accurate from your That's vantage point? absolutely accurate. 45X will address kind of every single level of the supply chain on the module side. Uh, so we get a certain amount uh, per watt for, for modules, a certain amount for, for cells, and then there's also um, a kind of a credit for, for wafers, ingots, as well as polysilicon too. 
That's amazing. Um, so, so for our listeners, kind of understanding that QCells is not just about assemblies of the final uh, product, the module, which I think a lot of people, because of the IRA domestic content, 10% adder for commercial and, and third-party ownership, that got a lot of airtime, a lot of press, right? And a lot of conversation. Um, but I think most people really think about that as um, just there's a factory assembling modules in the U.S. That's all that counts. And, and of course, we know from the recent guidance that that's not enough. It, it's about the components as well. So tell us a little bit more about um, Q-cells is, is the entire supply chain from polysilicon, ingots, wafers, cells. Like That's amazing. I think a lot of people don't actually know that that's how far you guys have, have already um, been investing and developing. Yeah, absolutely. We're not there yet, even though there's, there's, it's going to take some time. But, uh, you know, obviously module assembly is much easier to build. But as we're talking about polysilicon and ingot and wafers, those do take a, a much longer lead time. Uh, but but the investment has been already committed to and, uh, and it's you know publicly known. Uh, we've, we've, we've sent out a press release and that $2.5 billion. And we've already made, you know, kind of probably close to a billion dollars in investments uh, in the U.S., but additional 2.5 billion will will go to kind of expand the module capacity as well as kind of building out the cell production, the inga and the wafers, and as well as the polysilicon. So the polysilicon, I think, um, you know, we are the largest shareholder in uh, RAC Silicon, which is located in Moses Lakes, uh, Washington. That plant has been shuttered for for years just because of kind of a non um they weren't very competitive on on, on, a, on a pricing level uh we have since reopened up that plant and now it's you know we're planning to start running that plant by the by the end of by the end of this year and so that would be polysilicon out of the us be powered by hydro power so it's very very clean and that product will go to georgia and it will be made into to uh, ingot wafer cell and then assemble the module in Georgia. Wow. So all of that production, all that manufacturing ingot wafer cell in Georgia, obviously not the same facilities because they're very different uh, kind of production facilities, but but all within that state. Georgia's winning, I think it sounds like in <laughs> the key sales investment. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The, yeah, it, it is going to uh, be in that corridor and then we're kind of building a, a, a kind of a solar hub, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, our existing facility right now is in Dalton, Georgia, which is, you know, kind of about uh, uh, an hour and a half north of, uh, of Atlanta. So that facility will kind of grow to 5.1 gigawatts of module assembly by the end of the year. And then that that kind of vertical uh, supply chain that I mentioned earlier, that's going to be a little bit more further south, about 30 minutes in Car uh, Cartersville, uh, Georgia. And that that will have like kind of a more a complete uh, supply chain. Awesome. Well, I look forward to uh, touring those facilities someday. That sounds uh, incredible to see. So tell us a little bit about uh, kind of before we get into the Texas market specifically, but tell us a little bit about what you're seeing at the state level in terms of um, kind of the, what are what are the the biggest challenges or the biggest opportunities that QCells is seeing state by state with regard to whether it's net metering challenges or, or financing? Uh, what's the climate like out there? Yeah, I think it's definitely a tough environment. Um, I think there's still uh, different opinions uh, right now on, on on kind of where we're at in terms of kind of year over year growth, whether there is going to be growth. I think that uh, it is our opinion that the market is, is seems like the residential market I'm talking about is seems like it's going to be down anywhere from five to 15% is what you know our opinion is. Now, the reasons for that 
I think is, you know, there's, I think there's a multitude of reasons, but the, I think the biggest driver is definitely the, the um, increase in financing costs. And that I think has kind of uh, um, decreased demand uh, quite a bit. I think most installers have been selling on kind of low offset. And with the financing cost increases, it's really hard to kind of make that justification and, and, and to lower the, the monthly uh, payments versus a uh, utility payment. So I think, I think that's kind of been the biggest driver that we've seen. You know, I think that there are definitely regions in the country that's doing better than others, like the Northeast and California, obviously, leading up to Net 3.0. But, you know, the, the, the markets with the low electricity rates, like in Florida, like in Texas, which are second and the third largest uh, residential markets um, uh, by state, are definitely, I think, struggling. Yeah, that makes sense. And we're seeing the same thing. I think that um, the the challenge as I see it is something around relying on pure economics to justify the case to go solar. And, and I was really heartened to hear you talk about um, the importance with Q-cells on the sustainability, the long-term uh, value of this, not just the economic payback. And I think we're probably not yet at a point where we're changing that conversation, right? Uh, in, in California, obviously, the change from them two to NEM three was around basically the elimination of those high retail buyback rates, which changed the economics significantly. But yeah. uh, the way I've been thinking about it lately is if an installer is, is trying to optimize the production and the consumption of on-site solar power generation, right, with PV plus storage, and you're not really looking at utilizing the grid as a as another form of income, right? It's just yeah. purely the the bridge, but you're able to sort of balance and optimize your um, production and consumption. That's kind of where we started in solar, right? That's the pioneer days. It was like, you just need to provide power for a home, right? Sure. It's just a sort sure. of closed loop cycle. Um, so it's interesting that maybe we'll we'll get a chance to start coming back to that. Are you guys seeing a change in the way homeowners or installers are talking about energy security at all? Or is it, do you think, still kind of locked in an economic uh, I think kind it's of a conversation? Economics in general, right? I mean, of course, yeah. you're going to have niche niche people who want energy independence or go off the grid, I think. But that's that's I think that's more of a very, very niche market. Still. So still driven by economics. And so that's you'd say that's true for folks considering your Q home storage solutions as well, that if it helps with the economics, if there's a, a um, sort of policy reasons that absence of storage is a problem, like in California and M3, that's where the, the bulk of the business drive is going to go, you think? That, that's right. I think without storage, we're looking at, um, you know, payback increase, right? Like the, traditionally, like in the state of California, payback has been somewhere between like four to six years, right? Now with NEM3, we're looking at payback in, you know, like plus, 10 plus years, right? Mm -hmm. Which doesn't really make sense. And you could really, you know, make a difference in, in, in terms of decreasing the payback if you add storage, right? Because now with NEM3, as you know, as you're, you're well aware, right, is there's a rate for every single IOU that shows kind of the cost of electricity by hour, by month, you know. Um, and so that answer is there, right? And so the storage product is going to have to be designed to where, you know, it's basically you're not dumping dumping uh, uh, excess power into the grid and you're storing that, you know, when, when, when the rates are really high and then when the rates are really low, I'm sorry, and then when you're dumping it, right, out of the storage into the back of the grid when you get um, the higher rates. Yeah. Right, um, and you get paid a, a higher rate. So, so that could change the economics to where we could, you could maybe not get back to the two point days, but you could definitely get you know bring kind of payback down to a solid seven years. 
That's what I've heard. Yeah. Seven, eight years for a well-designed, not super robust storage system. Maybe it's not doing uh, a bunch of the backup capabilities, but optimizing that rate sheet, which you're right. It's a ridiculously complex rate sheet. I can't believe right. anybody that was a brainchild of any, anybody that wanted to um, spur solar business. I think that was exactly the opposite, probably. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, before we bring on uh, Tim Richmond from Chariot, I'm sure listeners would be looking for some follow-up information on QCells. Um, what's the best way for them to uh, to connect with you guys and and understand uh, kind of the, the roadmap and the what's coming next for QCells? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you can always visit our website, qcells.com. Very, very easy. I, if I... May I just add a couple uh, things, David. If you don't absolutely, mind. yeah. I mean, I think you know, like I think one of the things that I'm definitely personally very, very proud of is kind of I mentioned the the clean and sustainable uh, supply chain that we're trying to build. And so right now we are, uh, you know, in discussions with Solar Cycle, for example. And I think that you know recycling is going to be kind of uh, eventually be mandatory in, in the industry. Um, and also we're pursuing uh, EPs. Are you familiar with that? The I'm EPs? not. Mm-mm. So EP is electric. It stands for electronic product environmental assessment tool. And so it's an eco-label, basically, um, you know, it's globally recognized and it allows kind of customers to easily identify products that um, are low carbon kind of uh, made. And so that I think, you know, we are one of the few uh, manufacturers that's uh, that's initiating that. And we're, you know, part of that, driven by the, the, the ultra low carbon solar alliance. And, uh, and that's something that, that we're definitely very, very proud of. That's great. I appreciate you mentioning that. I had not heard of EP. I'm definitely going to look into that more. Yeah. And I yeah. agree with you on the recycling. That's that's an area that our industry has overlooked for too long. Um, yeah. And definitely. And, 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 you know, and I, I hate to say this, but you know, I think uh, currently solar modules, solar cells production, it's not as clean as 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 we would like to. Sure. Like like to see. So so we definitely you know kind of want to progress and, and make it as clean as possible. That's fantastic. Any other areas that you wanted to? Um, no, that's it. That's it. Besides that, you know, like, that, that's something we were very proud of. We're, you know, with the U.S. manufacturing, we're bringing jobs, you know, into the U.S. And uh, between our investments in, in Dalton, Georgia, and in Carville, Carsville, and as well as most of the lakes of Washington, I mean, we're looking at, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs, right? Uh, probably close to like, you know, um, uh, four to 5,000 jobs that we're creating in the U.S. So that's another thing that we're very, very proud of. Yeah, your commitment to the American manufacturing means a lot of job growth here in the U.S. I think that not very, very impactful, meaningful around the actual manufacturing jobs. But isn't it also true that you've got a lot of your um, sales and leadership um, headquarters uh, now in the U.S. as well? That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. So we have an office in Irvine. We have an office in, in San Francisco now. And uh, a lot of strategy, a lot of planning is, is being done in the U.S. And, and it just you know speaks to how important the U.S. market is um, is for us. And, and we also have R&D labs. So right, like I'll just give you an example, David. Like in, in Dalton, Georgia, it was a big... Did you know Dalton is like the it's like considered the carpet capital of the world? I guess 80% of the carpet globally is comes <laughs> from Dalton, Dalton manufacturing. Yeah. Amazing. And and they they've had a hard time since the, the housing crash in 2008, right? Um, and and people were getting paid working in those you know kind of hot factories um, for eight dollars and fifty cents an hour, right? And so yikes, the the the, the amount of that we're, we're we're kind of paying these people in, in Dalton is it, definitely a significant upgrade. So we're 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 also very proud of that too. That's fantastic. So the Texas and Florida markets, uh, I completely agree that the challenge there around the low cost of energy and the high cost of financing. Um, I understand that that QCells has a unique opportunity and solution um, that you're uh, spearheading within the Texas market. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, absolutely, David. As a company, we're definitely transitioning from just being known as a, as a solar module manufacturer. Yes, that's a very important part of our business, but um, there's also definitely other initiative, initiatives that we're, we're trying to drive. And one of the big ones is um, is, a, is a company called Cherry Energy, which is owned by Hama Group. And uh, we, we do have a, um, a great uh, working relationship. I think there's a lot of synergy between kind of Q-Cells as a solar module p- provider and Cherry Energy. And Cherry Energy is a, a retail electricity p- provider. Uh, in, the, in the state of Texas. Texas is, a, is kind of a, a unique um, uh, state in terms of um, it's, it's a very deregulated uh, electricity market. Uh, there are, are a lot of these uh, retail electricity providers. And, uh, and Chariot is kind of our way of addressing a state like Texas that doesn't have net metering. That's fantastic, David. I really appreciate our time today. You've given us an incredible view behind the curtain. Um, Hopefully all should be public knowledge and will be now through this conversation about just how committed Q-Cells is to the U.S. market, how how much investment the company has made, how much you're doing to support sustainability, job growth, um, and really just be at the forefront of the U.S. solar market and beyond, right? Being able to talk directly and uh, speak directly to specific financial challenges. I think that's going to be our segue to our next guest. David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll transition the conversation now to our next guest, Tim Richmond, who's the Senior Business Development Manager at Chariot Energy. So welcome, Tim. It's great to have you here. The partnership between Chariot Energy and Q-Cells is the first of its kind within the solar space. Could you share a bit more about Chariot Energy and why this partnership was cultivated? Thank you for having me. We are actually a subsidiary of a company called 174 Power Global, who is uh, a member of the Hanwha family. We are actually under Hanwha Energy. And 174 Power Global is one of the largest solar uh, solar farm developers in the world. And they built a solar farm out in West Texas, outside of Odessa, back in 2019, 2020. And that's actually where Chariot was spawned off of, was uh, to uh, build a retail entity that is able to bring that solar power to market for the consumers in Texas for their benefit. And we are all under the Hanwha Group, seventh largest conglomerate in Korea. And this year, we've engaged a partnership with our sister company, Q-Cells, to bring a mutually beneficial product of solar buyback and retail services for end-use electricity consumers in the deregulated parts of Texas to go with their offerings for uh, rooftop solar, battery systems, all the all the cool technology stuff they're doing. That's great. Let me let me jump in right here and make sure that our listeners understand. Is there is there a reason that the Texas market and in particular this solar farm makes it a unique opportunity for Chariot to exist, or is this just the first foray and we should expect to see more of it in states outside of Texas? Because I know the Texas utility system is pretty unique in the U.S. and and maybe those of us that don't live in Texas aren't quite as familiar with the the differences. Yeah, sure. So. Texas is uh, really is unique in the fact that that the Texas electricity grid is essentially an island unto itself. Uh, it is not interconnected to any of the other states in the U.S. And since it does not cross any state boundaries, there is no federal oversight in how it operates. So Texas is really able to do kind of whatever they want to do for good, for worse. It is what it is. We have, we own. Right. But as a result, we end up with one of the most one of the most advanced grids in the United States in the world. Uh, we were one of the first to have full smart meter deployment all over, and it continues to be a laboratory of sorts 
Uh, it's a fully deregulated market. Um, we have, there is no utility option in, in the deregulated markets in Texas. There are some regulated areas. City of Austin is a good example, but we are uh, the only fully deregulated market that I'm aware of in the United States. Whereas you can't just call your utility and go, hey, I need electricity. They're going to go, you got to go find a company. Um, you got to go find a third party retailer to actually set you up. There, there, is no, there is no default option. There is no default service. So what that does is it is it creates this this huge competitive marketplace where everybody has to choose. They have to be take a more proactive stance in procuring their energy, where you know, well, their electricity specifically, and to get more involved and more aware. You can't just ride out a utility default rate for a thousand years. You've got to go and when I, when your contract's up, you go and you find another one and. And people end up being a much more informed consumer. So that's really why we started in Texas. Um, Texas is a is a bit easier for a retail electric provider to get into. It's been well established. Everyone here uh, is well aware of the rules, the regulations, and the mechanics on how everything works. A um, little less complicated than some of the other states you get into with capacity markets and transmission markets and all kinds of charges that, that we don't have here in Texas. So this is something that we would like to expand into other markets. And the original plan was to follow um, the solar farms. And so, you know, if uh, 174 put a solar farm in, say, you know, central New Jersey, then, well, you know what? Chariot's heading into New Jersey to, uh, uh, to take advantage of that physical capacity that, the, that having actual generation assets brings to a retailer uh, such as Chariot, where a company that just gets in without any of those physical assets that's just essentially playing the middleman um doesn't doesn't enjoy and so those are competitive advantages for us that we would you know it, it is doable in other places when it will happen we just have to wait and see so so help me understand make sure that i've got um our listeners understand the um who's making the choice about that retailer to buy the energy from is it is it the individual homeowners is it the local um, utility provider is it a um, uh, a building or a, a development owner who's making that choice of of who they're um, getting the electricity from and the rates that they're paying? Uh, I mean, primarily, I mean, when you get into commercial real estate, things can get a little bit wonky. But it, when you look at it from say a residential standpoint, it's it's the homeowner. That would make the decision. Essentially, the resident, because if you rent mm -hmm. a if you rent a house or an apartment, by law, whoever you're renting it from cannot prevent you from going and making your own your own selection. So it's really the resident that does it. Um, kind of the end use customer, um, whoever's going to pay the bill, is where it really comes down to it. Now, you know, you may end up with uh, you know a property development where they're making energy decisions for all their properties or or letting letting that authority go to their local property managers and things like that all over the place uh, that's kind of neither here nor there at the end of the day the responsibilities for whoever's going to pay the bill is really who is the empowered one to go shop it's not going to work this way yeah no that helps a lot and i'm thinking about comparisons that that others may um, be aware of in terms of of this, like um, in my jurisdiction, PNM uh, allows me to purchase a certain amount of my power from wind uh, plants. I would assume 
this is more robust than that because it's not just a choice within my current provider, but it's actually who who am I paying? Who am I getting the electricity from? But conceptually, PM owns that wind farm or they've got a contract for the power from the wind farm and they've got a rate structure for it. And is that a similar kind of a, a structure? Um or similarly, community far, a community solar setup where I built a plant, we've got this many people that are going to participate in it, and we're all getting the benefit. Maybe community solar would be a better analogy. Yeah, Am I'm, I getting I'm, close? It, kind of, yeah. The thing with deregulated electricity is that you can't control where the electrons that are coming into your house are actually coming from. Right. Um, if you sign up for a 100% green renewable solar plan, and your next door neighbor signed up for the cheapest coal power plan they could find, you guys are getting the exact same electrons. I mean, they're the same wires mm -hmm. go into your houses. And so um, what you do control is what you, you effectively have to replace the power on the other end of the line. And so I, I always take an analogy of uh, a swimming pool. You know, if there's a swimming pool that's being filled by, you know, three different hoses and buckets at the other end, and you're at the and you're at the other end from the filling side, and you're just taking buckets out. It's just a mix of all the water from all the different sources. You can't control that. What you control is what gets put back in on the other side. So if I take out a bucket on the right, I have to replace it with a bucket on the left. And that is where if I sign up for a green renewable plan, that's where I can actually control what gets put back in, theoretically increasing the green content of the pool or the grid, if you will. And so what, what you get into is all these contracts, they're really financial uh, financial instruments between yourself and a company. And so Chariot, yes, we have, um, you know, we have uh, an interest in the solar farm in West Texas, but it's a portfolio business. That solar farm does not, as hard as we try, does not produce enough electricity at two o'clock in the morning to satisfy our needs. And so, you know, it's a portfolio business. So we will go out and we will pick up uh, we will pick up contracts and positions and swaps from uh, generators from all over the state and we will blend those all together. And then the way that we green these up, uh, if you know if we have thermal generation in there or a you know something you know if we have some natural gas in there, is we will all go and procure additional uh, solar renewable energy credits to effectively offset any of that power with the, the SREX is, is how we would say it in the business, uh, to effectively green up that brown power, which is typically how, if you have a green contract, uh, that's how it's done on the back end. Because again, at the end of the day, people want power in the middle of the night when the sun's not shining or on days when the wind's not blowing. So you know we, we have to find ways to, uh, to incentivize, incentivize that generation, but just remember, you're not actually getting those specific electrons. We don't go change your wires in the middle of the night. Um, it comes over right. the existing grid and we, uh, you know, we, we basically green it up financially. Now that's great, Tim. I appreciate the analogy. And I do think that's helpful, certainly helpful for me. I hope helpful for the listeners to understand kind of the place in the bigger scheme and understand why this is so important that we make these investments and we support the kinds of electricity generation that are going to make an impact on our sustainable future, right? And, and a, a lot of times it is difficult to see beyond our own personal experience and our own home and built environment. My background is in home building and it's very easy to think about just the boundaries of the home. And I think a homeowner has that same experience. I use power in my home 
it's coming in, I can make a choice and therefore that's my experience. But most are not prepared to take on the responsibility of owning and managing all of their power within a building, right? Which is being off the grid and, and understanding the complexity of that versus the ease of being connected to the grid. We just, there's a gap there, right? In the awareness. So um, I love the way you explained it. We're sort of making that choice of um, replacing the energy we're consuming today with greener, cleaner energy to tomorrow um, and using the financial vehicles that we have available to us to connect those dots. So let's connect Chariot then as a uh, retail energy provider in Texas in the deregulated markets to our listener base, the uh, QCell installer. How are they uh, positioning this with their homeowners, their customers to take advantage of this opportunity? Yeah, What absolutely. does that look like? So you put, if you go and sell rooftop solar to a customer, get it installed, get all the electrical work done, all the permitting, your uh, permission to operate, interconnect, everything. That's only like 90% of the way there. To cover the customer for their full energy portfolio is we, you've got to cover their off-panel usage. You got you to get there. You have to accommodate them for what are they going to do when the panels are not producing enough to cover the needs of the house, middle of the night, early morning, what have you. You know, you're going to have to get that power from the grid. And then what happens in the middle of the day when everyone's out at the office and the panels are overproducing like crazy, what happens to that excess power? How do you capture the value for that power? It's going to get sent back to the grid. And if the customer is not put on the correct uh, plan type, specifically a solar buyback plan, uh, some sort of equivalent type of plan, they're donating that power to whoever their grid supplier is. So whoever is serving the meter, the retail electric provider rep is known as the rep of record for that meter. And they're going to get, we we have to handle all the cost for that meter and we have to handle all, and we get credit for all the benefit from that meter. So if the customer's overproducing like crazy and that, that power goes in, we get credit for that. If the customer is not on a uh, specific solar buyback type of plan, they're donating that power to the provider. That's great. We'll take it. But I don't think that's really in the customer's best interest. So, you know, historically, this is not a very competitive space in Texas. You know, you're looking at 150 to 200,000 solar rooftop installs for residential in Texas versus something like 7.2 million um, residential meters in the deregulated parts of Texas. You, most Historically, most providers have chased after the 7.2 million and kind of not really worried too much about the solar. Now, solar has increased. Um, significantly, especially after the winter storm, especially after all the energy price craziness with Ukraine, it has a, has a interest that has ramped up. And now that's becoming a more sought after market for the retail electric providers. And Cherry has been serving this space since uh, late 2019. October, November uh, is when we served our first uh, solar buyback customers. So we've been doing this for over four years. And well, coming up on four years. So we've we've learned the lessons to it. It's it's a much more complicated pro product. But what we're doing is we've built out a couple of different product options. This is it's not as simple as the traditional non-solar product anymore because it, you, you now you have an equation with two variables. It's not just I need the cheapest rate I can find. This is you have to balance your grid power rate with your your buyback rate for the excess that's going back to the grid. And it's nothing is a perfect fit anymore. It's not just about getting the cheapest rate. We've, we've built a couple of plan options 
And uh, exclusively, we have revamped these options to be even more attractive than our street offers that you can get off our website for specifically for the QSales installer distributor partner network as basically a value add to help these uh, help these folks sell QSell systems. This is this is not intended to be another thing that they have to sell. That's not the intention. This is something that should actually be a value add to help them sell the the solar system. I mean, that's that's what it's all really about is sell the solar system. And this is just one more benefit that we can bring along that's exclusive through that QSells channel. One more benefit of using the QSells systems and uh, network. Right. That makes sense. Uh, that ability to kind of leverage those partnerships, those opportunities, you're doing, doing the solar anyway, you might be choosing Chariot as your partner, combining those two choices with the QCell modules, leveraging that partnership, you get a better rate. Correct. You, um, it really And it really brings a, a kind of an A to Z solution for the customer, because historically, a lot of solar installers would just be, oh, call your, call your provider and have them put you on a buyback plan. And they, the customers were kind of left swinging in the wind a little bit at the end of that process. And we run into customers all the time that have had solar for years and they've never signed up for a buyback plan. They've just been giving it away. And, Amazing. you know, so this is really something to help shepherd, you know, this is customers are making a major investment in their energy, their long-term energy outlook when they put rooftop solar on, you know, they're putting a lot of trust in the company they're selecting to install this, uh, to buy this from and install this product. And it's just one more thing to be able to take this customer all the way to the end of the process and not just kick them out at the, at the three yard line and just, you know, Hey, you guys can finish it yourselves and be able to handle it all the way through with a company that is, you know, that is in the same family um, as the company they trust for the hardware and, you know, be able to actually be responsive and integrated with this whole process to where you're not just on a website signing up. This is, this is someone that Chariot is forming, you know, direct relationships with all these, these uh, QCell installers and partners to be able to have a direct connection, customer service line. Uh, I mean, my, myself, I'm the one who answers a lot of these questions. Well, all of these questions from the installer network. And you know, if installer comes to Chariot and goes, "Hey, you know, I want to get set up to help my customers out with this. Can you help me with some questions? Do some training uh, for my sales guys, my tech guys, all that?" Absolutely, I'm the one that does that. And you have a direct, you have a direct relationship with us, not just a code that you're putting on some giant company's website that they don't even know you exist. I find it fascinating that there's there's whole markets that exist like you described without that um, solar buyback program. When we were talking with David Chang at QCells, we were talking about um, the economic viability of that investment and the very short paybacks that existed in California under the NEM 2.0 regulations, where it was really a very high retail rate for that energy. And people were actually overproducing because they could monetize it. And what you just described was the exact opposite. People aren't able to get a great economic payback from this because they're not able to value or bank that that excess energy that they're um, pushing back, exporting into the grid. 
um, because there's no rate attached to it. I just find that fascinating. I guess I didn't really realize how significant in some markets that is. I'm uh, In my own market, I'm familiar with very, very, very low cost, but at least the net metering agreement is there. There's an understanding. Maybe it's not financially viable, but that just sort of helps for system sizing, don't over over design the system or put in batteries and do more self-consumption. Um, but the absence of any program at all is is very startling for me. Um, well, just to, thinking, just to, thinking just, about those implications. If I can jump in real quick on that. So um just remember when you're when you're talking about the Texas, the Texas grid, you're talking about a fully deregulated grid. So utility companies are still regulated. The, the folks that do the lines and wires, read the meters, all that, that is still regulated. All their prices are set by tariff, everything. There, there is just no tariff where they compensate customers for power going back to the grid. They're happy to send it back to the grid. They're not going to pay you for it. That comes between your deregulated side where your energy consumption company is. So Chariot is on the deregulated side. I mean, you can you can pick Chariot, you can pick another company, uh, you can you can shop around. And that is where you you do monetize the sellback power because it is valuable to us. Um, I mean, we get to take that power into our portfolio, we get credit for it, and we want uh, we want it. And so we compensate the customers through a specific agreement, uh, the solar buyback agreement, where um, we do monetize the customer. And we do monetize the customer at the same rate uh, on one of our plans, where we do monetize the customer at the same rate that they buy it from us. So if you're buying it off the grid from us at, say, I'm making up numbers here, so don't hold me to it, but say $0.09 cents a kilowatt hour plus your delivery costs, we will pay you the same $0.09 cents a kilowatt hour for every kilowatt hour you send back without any caps. So you know, you just don't get compensated for the delivery going back. That is sure. the, that's kind of the missing subsidy in Texas. Uh, but in exchange, you end up with overall cheaper rates because they're not having to pay for this by jacking up the delivery rates, if that makes sense, um, totally. for lack of a more politically correct term. So it's it's a balance of, yes, the rates in Texas are are very inexpensive when you look at the rest of the country for energy. I mean, we're a very energy rich state. We're, we're blessed to be sitting on a on huge resources that we're able to tap into and you know drive the development of the state and you look at you know the the return on investment numbers in a california or especially a hawaii somewhere where you know people are paying 20 30 cents a kilowatt hour oh absolutely they can they can they can turn each house into a little power plant and actually monetize this whereas in texas it is such a it's such a cutthroat competitive state from the standpoint of the the third party uh, suppliers, the retail electric providers, that it does drive these prices down to where yes, your ROI is longer in Texas for solar, but you know there are tools to help maximize and minimize that R, uh, the ROI time through making sure that every kilowatt hour that goes out the door back to the grid is monetized for the customer. There are plenty of plans out there that have caps that the your supplier will only will only compensate you for uh, will only pay you for the same amount of kilowatt hours that you bought off the grid. So if if you bought a thousand kilowatt hours in a bill cycle off the grid at nighttime, mornings, whatever, but you sent back two thousand, they'll only pay you for one thousand, and they're just going to keep the rest for free. So it, the devil is in the details in these plants. They're relative. It's a relatively new thing that a lot of companies are starting to compete over this, and it's a lot more moving parts than just a rate. So it's 
the devil is in the details. It's in the fine print. And things like caps, expiring credits, will not roll over credits from one bill to another if you have a negative bill. Um, these are all things that do take chunks out of a customer's ability to monetize what they're what they're selling. And we've that's what effectively they're doing is they are selling it to the grid. And that is something that Chariot has taken a very hard line on that when we built these plans, we, we're going to buy every kilowatt hour the customer sends to us. We're not going to cap it out. We're not going to go, sorry, we bought as much as we are. You're going to donate the rest to us. Every kilowatt hour the customer sends to us, we're going to buy. It's just fair. And we're going to pay them for it. They go on vacation for the month of April and have a negative bill. We're going to roll those negative credits over. Uh, if the customer has a negative balance and they move, even if they move somewhere that's not a uh, that's not uh, that does not have solar, like an apartment, uh, as long as Chariot can serve that meter and they they move their service over there, we will move the credits to them. I mean, we have bought this power off of them. It is that is their credits, and we are going to we are going to be as fair as possible because we have taken value off of this uh, from the customer and. We are keeping them as intact as possible through these credits and really just trying to create a fair long-term relationship where at the end of the day, nobody feels taken advantage of and you know we can we can go for a long-term uh, you know really aim for a long-term relationship with these customers because they really have spent tens of thousands of dollars on taking charge of their energy, taking charge of their electricity consumption through the hardware they've put in and you know that that's something that we we recognize and and we want to participate on our end, but we've got to pull our weight too for the customers. So that, that's really why we've built this the way we have. That's terrific, Tim. Uh, I, I, the value uh, proposition there, the alignment, the integrity, um, very much in fitting with um, what Bewa RE uh, is about and QCells. Um, so the synergy is making so much sense here. So so connect the dots a little bit for us on the specific process. You you mentioned earlier that the the installer going in, putting the equipment in, connecting all the wires, doing that, that gets them to 90%. Now help us understand um, the choices they're making or that they're, uh, that they're having their homeowners make to specifically connect the opportunity and the benefit, the value add of Chariot to their to their solar system. Sure. So, uh, I mean, the process is about as simple as we can make it. Customer, when they're ready, they to select their third party, uh, their uh, their solar buyback provider. What they're going to do is they're going to go to Chariot's website. Um, they're going to put in uh, the promo code that they've been given by their QCells installer to get. That's the only way to get access to the QCells products. Those are not public products. They are uh, they are only through the QCells network. I mean, these are specific for this. So they'll go in. They'll have a link they can click. They'll have a QR code they can scan. They'll have a promo code they can type in. Any way they can, any way they can get to it, um, we'll get them there. Uh, they'll have access to to all the product offerings through QCells. They'll pick their product. They'll go through the, it's the exact same application as our non-solar customers go through. It's customers in Texas, if they've been living in Texas for a few years, have probably done this, you know, eight times now. You know, it's a simple process. You put in your address, you find your meter on our uh, on our application, you put in your information. Uh, there's a soft credit check that's done, doesn't affect your credit score. And then you hit submit and everything goes through. If it checks out and everything works as it should, which it better, then you're done. You'll get a confirmation. Their account will switch uh, whenever they specified. With a with the QCells program, we actually give an extended window to delay the start. So we give up to a 90-day forward start window, which is what we call it. So if you sign up, you, you want to go sign up today, but you know your solar, you know, you're not going to be able to get your permits and your solar installed and all that for 
75 days, you can go pick a date 75 days from now, and then we'll switch it on that day. Uh, if you have, um, uh, for our standard, I believe it's it's 45 days forward. So it's about double. Or, you know, your customer has a, has, has a current contract with their current supplier. They don't want to pay an early termination fee. So, well, that contract's up in two months. Okay, we'll schedule it in two months. And it's all automated from there. They don't have to do anything else. They don't have to call their current supplier. They don't have to do anything. Now, even if their solar install gets delayed, doesn't matter. They can still be on this solar buyback product without solar up and running. Uh, we, it's not like they'll find themselves without power. They just won't earn buyback credits on their bill until that their smart meter starts registering, hey, they're sending power back to the grid and they'll report that to us. Everything we do is through the meter. Right. So super simple process. And, you know, at the end of the day, it really is, it, it really is a no brainer when you come to it, where we've built this, all our grid power on this product is 100% solar offset. So customer, you know, they're obviously into solar, if they're putting, they're spending all this money to put solar on their roof. Well, you know, what, what are you going to go buy from a coal plant at two o'clock in the morning? No, we got, um, this is a, this is a hundred percent solar product. So we'll take them the rest of the way. So they're, they're getting solar power 24 seven and it's a simple process. It's going to be an, it's an excellent price. And, uh, we back it with the same, the same integrity that they elected to go with when they picked Q cells to go on their roof. And so it really is, you know, a one big family product where we can get you all the way to the end. And at the end of the day, the customer, the customer is going to, you know, our goal is that the customer is sometimes the selection of the solar buyback is the last touch from the solar installer. You know, that's once they, once they've done that, the solar installer's job's kind of done unless something breaks or a warranty claim or something like that. And our goal is that, that, that last touch you know, leaves a good taste in their mouth where, you know, they're, they're not feeling bitter because it just, that last experience wasn't, wasn't a good one. You know, we know that their experience with us is going to probably directly reflect on them referring their friends, other family members to the installer. And, you know, look, these guys took care of me all the way to the end. And, you know, they didn't leave me hanging. And at the end of the day, you know, my bills are right. Uh, everything's going smooth. I feel good about it. And that's, that's what we want to do. We want to help you guys. And by you guys, I mean the installers. The goal is to help you guys sell more of these QCell systems. And the best way to do that is keep people happy. Perfect. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining us. We've learned a lot. I learned a lot. I really appreciate you clarifying the unique offering from Chariot Energy in the Texas deregulated market and hopefully in other states soon in the near future. And the partnership, keeping it in the family with, with the Hanwha Group and, and QCells and the commitment to the long-term sustainability efforts. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.